0: Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ, and today I'm talking to Antonio Morenez. Was that good pronunciation?
1: Yeah, more or less. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I've been I've been so so excited about this interview because Antonio has lived an absolutely extraordinary and fascinating life. Uh, he's a Spanish poet and has this just amazing amazing energy about him. And you seem like you seem someone like who is just truly happy. So I thought, what better person to get on the show? Antonio, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, well, you haven't seen me before I take my morning time coffee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't seem so happy then. <laughs> Did you like, I mean, I just mentioned there that
0: you um, like poetry and writing, that's sort of your passion, and um, you this is what you do, like you kind of live and breathe like your passion. Did you, when leaving school, did you always know this is what you wanted to do, or has it become this sort of uh, thing that's just adapted over time?
1: No, I guess I always wanted to do it, but it just seemed like a far away, distant, unachievable dream somehow, and uh, slowly just you know it became more and more real and more real and more real and it still is becoming more real every day you know so yeah it's a long-term thing yeah
0: because um i I did i did i did some digging up and i was asking uh sophie your girlfriend and some people and some of the stories because I, i know that you've got some just crazy crazy stories but um one thing which i i really really want to know is um actually we'll go we'll go back actually before we get to that like so you you left school like Give me sort of chronologically, like after leaving school, what happened? Because you went to a school up in north of England, up in Yorkshire, you know, nice, good school. And when you left, did you did you try and get into a job straight away or did you immediately go off travelling and start
1: to go and explore the world? Well, I, when I left, I, I wanted to take a gap year, which I was very inspired by all my British friends taking them. But my father didn't believe in gap years and he thought that I should study. So I wanted to study philosophy. Then he said, no, you should study something that's useful. So I ended up studying economics, and I lasted like three months, basically. <laughs> and after three months, I went traveling, and uh, yeah, I went to work in the Canary Islands and um, fishing, and I uh, spent six months there. Then I thought I'd give studying a go again, but lasted only a year and a half. And then I went traveling, and I spent eight years traveling on the road. <laughs> eight years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the thing was, that it was a thing that came since I was a little boy. I was always told how things were, and, uh, but I wanted to see for myself. And I was always questioning. I was very much one of those persons that always asked the question, why, you know. And uh, I was never satisfied with the answer unless I arrived to it by myself. So, you know, I couldn't just sit and do what I was told because I felt like, you know, that they told me the world is like that, why well, I want to see it for myself. So there was a big drive inside me to leave, 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 and eventually I just, yeah, I just left. Uh, God, because
0: I mean, one story which, um, okay, we're we're touching a few of them, but India, so
1: you lived in a tree house, is that correct? Yeah, I lived in a tree house in India. Well, yeah, it was a cliff in in Gokarna, which is in Karnataka, sort of uh, north of Kerala. And uh, it was a cliff and it had two sort of platforms and on top there were two two trees that would give shade. So it wasn't like, a, we called it a tree house, but, well, I mean, the, the trees were more like the roof of the house. And uh, the house wasn't, there was no house, there were no walls. So, yeah, yeah it was a beautiful place.
0: And then, I love like, I like this idea of, um, because... Um... Sophie was telling me how uh, you became almost infamous out there. That you you met you met a traveller and he told you about this apparently this crazy naked westerner. Apparently, yeah. there's this idea they said there's some naked westerner living in a tree up in India and you actually heard this story. Actually, them talking about yourself.
1: It was it was it was worse because he said uh, I heard stories about a crazy naked Sp- Spaniard, you know, big Spaniard, a giant or something. And obviously, because it's like uh, Chinese tales, you know. It just got bigger and bigger. So the story is weird because that was in the south west and uh and this conversation I had in Calcutta. Yeah. Which is in the east, you know, so the other side of India. It is very strange, yeah. But um it's a good time. It's a fun time. We were young and we felt like we were real pirates and you know, we live our life in a very so sort of dangerous and free way and it was a fun time. Not very sort of productive or creative but good for, for the <laughs> young soul you know
0: what kind, of, what, kind of, yeah. what kind of what kind of what kind of what uh things did these experiences teach you like did you did you because a lot of people say that they learn more from traveling than you know they did in all their time in studying and working and books like did you learn yeah. a lot about yourself through like just this complete freedom
1: yeah i learned from both you know i think my thing was as i said i couldn't I couldn't just give in to people telling me what the world was about, what life was about. I had to make it for myself. So I felt that I needed to break free. And once I broke totally free, and I literally was free of everything, you know, and then I could come back to the world, but come back on my own terms. So I learned a lot traveling through people that I met, through basically just taking myself into very far away, distant lands and spaces emotionally or, you know, spaces of the mind as well. And then I learned a lot by coming back into society again, you know, and feeling um, sort of like I had a legitimacy to come back because I was choosing to. I wasn't made to follow a certain path. Yeah.
0: And then this uh, one thing which... um, Because... you chose to be sort of voluntary
1: like homelessness where you'd almost go
0: from temple to temple is that correct
1: yeah well also in europe just uh well it was a uh, you know if you, you you wanted to be free from everything and get away from society and get away from like where you come from and uh and basically just be a first name with no surname and uh so for this i just learned to live with without money and is really good. So, if I was in Europe, I learned to how to feed myself from you know the everything the leftovers of Europe because there's so many leftovers. You know, there's such an opulence in the society and so many food being thrown away and etc. And when I was in India, I got a lot of food from charity from people. I and mean, in yeah, you could I could I uh, most temples they give one meal a day for everyone. And you know, uh, India may be a poor country, but no one really dies of starvation. So I also taught myself to uh, go many days without eating. So, yeah. How many many days? Well, I mean, when I'm doing a proper fast, uh, I can do 15 days. But uh, back in those days, when I was traveling, I could sort of like have a good meal and then go sort of two, three days without feeling hungry and until I ate again. It's, yeah, it's good.
0: Was that 15? As in, so you drink water and stuff, but you'll go 15 days
1: with absolutely no food? no food yeah, yeah. i like how well you just i mean it's i guess it's just something you learn and you control your mind but also your body learns about it i in one of my journeys i arrived in berlin and it was one of those those times when i had no money and i hitchhiked and this girl picked me up and uh uh, eventually we fell in love, and it's a whole different story. But we arrived. I wasn't even going to Berlin, but she was from Berlin. And I ended up living in Berlin, and I met all these friends of hers. And a lot of them were into into healing. And one of them especially, a very good friend of mine now, he was a nutritionist, and he's a fasting guru type of – so he taught me how to fast. And uh, so up until then, I was sort of, you know, I didn't eat because I didn't have any money and I just thought, okay, don't eat about it. But then with him, I learned to probably fast. So since then I do, that was 2006, I do two fasts a year, uh, one in the spring and one in autumn. Each time, each time, 15 days. Depends because it's quite hard to find the space, you know, it depends on uh, you, you can be social, you can be so when I was living in in now in Spain in Salamanca, it's a very remote area it's very easy. So I would do 15 days, no problem. Here in London, it's harder because you're, you know, you're so isolated. And, you know, you can't really do much. I mean, you can do things, you just, you're not social, you know, it's a time that you want to have to invest in yourself and, you know, be alone and with yourself. And if you're in a city of 12 million people, it's quite hard. But yeah, normally I try to do 15. Yeah.
0: I thought, up until now, I mean, I thought, I, I thought you die after like, like 10 days. Got
1: 15, as in... <laughs> no way. You can oh, go uh, long time. I think... Like, uh, you like David Blaine, Blaine. Who've, who've done 40, 40 days. Four zero. Yeah,
0: four zero. 0 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but, mean, puts me to shame. I get, I, get, I get after about, you know, five hours without eating, I start <laughs> getting, like, nervous. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, what it depends you, what kind of metabolism you have and stuff. When, yeah. so, so is it literally, I mean, it's,
0: it's all, is it mind over matter? Is it, like, you, it's all about actually just training? Is it the mind? Is it much more the mind than, than the body? Like, your body can actually survive. It's more about training your mind, actually, that you don't need it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes you wonder, you know, how what you could actually do with your mind if you're more disciplined. Because over the years, so if I started 2006, now it's 2015, it's a lot of, I've done maybe 20, 30 fasts. And I've got to a point where from day one, I can my body basically knows that I'm fasting and my brain too and then I get onto fasting mode and then sometimes because the days you don't spend time cooking or digesting so the days sort of you know they they they're longer you know they feel longer they stretch so sometimes when you've got some dead time you think okay now I'm going to th- think about food and then you start thinking about food and you basically eat with your mind, you know, and you think about what you're going to cook and what this texture will be like and uh, what it will smell and how it will smell when it's in the oven and when you take it out and then how will you serve it on the plate and you actually, with your mind, you sort of eat it and then you think, okay, enough, you know, and then you stop thinking about it and it's almost like you're enjoying eating without eating, see what I mean? So it's all, the the, the mind is, has so much power over the body, but I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, I can only do it with fasting. I can't do it with other things. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Has, this, has this taught you, um, I don't know, has it changed your sort of idea or perception of like what's really truly important? Like, do you think before you did even like the traveling, the fasting, the um, just going off and exploring and like, seeing stuff for your, yourself, did you have like a different idea of like what was important? And this is, has this kind of changed your, has that kind of destroyed those paradigms and actually made
1: you realize what's really important? Well, not really. I mean, on a way, it's like I wanted to have sort of like a I I I add to the picture, you know? That's what. uh, So I had a when I was younger. I had an intuition, and that's the way I understand it. It was a very vague intuition, and uh, the more I go forward in life, and the more I carry on going down my path, then this intuition takes more shape and it gets more detailed, and uh, there is more more textures, more smells that come out of it. So the idea gets more and more clear, clear slowly, 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 and if I'm You know, working well, and I'm following what I want to do. Then I add more to this, you know, great picture, which is endless. I think it could never be. So it's not so much that I've been breaking paradigms. I was always sort of like on a wave. And when I was a child, I was proud. My father always told me, "Why do you always have to do it your way? You're so fucking annoying." You know, always your way. So I, you know, I've I've been following this way because I felt it was right, and I might still be wrong. But at the same time, you know, it gets more clear, more clear, more. you know, more adds up to it, you know, and more layers, etc. So
0: would you say, that, is that, was that, would you say that's, that's gut, that's instinct, kind of, you know, intuition? Is that what you've been following this whole time?
1: I think it's a mixture of both, you know, and this is a lot what I work about. And this is also why I like poetry so much, because uh, I think it's a mixture between reason and intuition and passion and emotion. And um, I believe that if you want to understand something, then you, it's like building a table you want to build a table, you need a lot of tools. So you have a toolbox and you don't just use one tool. And uh, this was one of the things that got me down my path is that I felt that people only used one tool in order to understand the world, which is mainly reason and science. And, uh, And I thought... There have to be other tools, just like you know, if you're building a table, you have a hammer, you have a, you have screws, you have a chisel, you have a sandpaper. We were sanding the other day, yeah, and uh, you need all these things in order to build a beautiful table. So we have all these, you know, things that we have access to, and but that I felt back then, not so much now, that people were just pushing aside and. Um, and now I believe that you have to integrate them. So there's a place for reason, there's a place for intuition, there's a place for emotion, there's a place for passion, and sometimes this is what I call poetic intelligence. When you're writing and when you when it's working, it all of those come together into the perfect verse. You know? Yeah.
0: So that would you, would, you, would you say that like writing and creating poetry, like and using that as your sort of, I don't know your vehicle, your whatever has that has that sort of changed the world that you've has that sort of changed the way you've you see and interact with the world I mean are you, are you constantly now like looking around being inspired by a thing do you feel like you have kind of, because everything is inspiration around you does that kind of change the way you kind of experience life or is that a bit, is that, am I being, is that a bit romantic kind of thinking there?
1: No, in a way I think like, um, I think it's all about conversation and uh, we get given a lot of input from the world and we get given a lot of uh, um, yeah, but there's always, we process it And then we do something with it. Everyone, absolutely everyone. And then uh, what I believe is that uh, there is a hidden truth that is an absolute truth, but we don't have an access to. And uh, then we just need to have a conversation with it. And every time we have a conversation with it, we're giving it sense, you know, and we're sort of circling it and then so with poetry or with interaction with conversation we're doing that now that, that. we're just making sense we're making sense we're constantly making sense out of all everything that's around us and uh yeah i find that uh this is the same for science as it is for anything else you know for for poetry for philosophy for and uh, but as you say my vehicle it's uh, it's it's poetry, and it definitely gives shape to my world, you know. And the more, and you know, you have you you through your conversations with other people that gives shape to your world, you know. And uh, slowly we all understand. And if we share this, which is like what you're doing with your platform and your website, then we can have a better understanding and make some sense of this madness, you know. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like are you do? You, do you create? I mean, is do you do you think? I mean, is it about things like? legacy and you said there like what you have what you want to put out to the world i mean are you thinking sort of legacy and what you want to create behind or is it just each day as it comes
1: well i mean obviously if it's i try to be each day as it comes but then if i look back and i see my body of work i feel happy that i've gone all this way and i would like to leave some legacy But I'm not, you know, I'm not obsessed by it as much as my, I don't know, other friends, poet friends that I have in general, or poets in general, you know, they're all about, I want my verses to be written in marble and all that. And I'm not so fast about that, you know, I just want to, I want to have my say, you know, in this conversation... And, in this making sense, and it all goes back to what I was telling you before of people not just making me believe certain dogmas about what the world is about, and especially when you know we all sometimes wonder why is the world so you know why, is, why are there so many things going wrong, or i 'm sure we can make it work better you know so I just want to have my say on on how the things should go
0: yeah uh, one thing one thing I quite liked, which um, we were talking about Easter, was this idea of um whether you're talking to like one to like a thousand people or like a million people or even if you're just having a conversation that one-to-one person you're just sitting down you're having a coffee you're having a drink but even that interaction then and there like is real and that's that's something special and you know it's almost like that that's just as you know valuable as whether you're you know it's one to you know thousands and thousands I mean have you always had this um sort of love of just people and actually just conversations has that always been sort of
1: like, yeah but this, in you? but this has been a recent understanding you know uh, I think we live in a post-romantic era and there's a lot of the romantic ideals that are very much inside our society and our understanding and you know with the romantics it's all about taking it to the infinite and looking up you know and always looking at what you're saying at the macro scale you know and changing the world through art and all that and I did Sort of believe in that a little bit before, but more and more I move away from that, and I realize that the micro scale, which is what we're talking, is just as important as the as the macro scale, you know. And uh, you don't have to look at things because if you see the world and the universe and everything as a as an organism that is constantly changing and constantly evolving, which it is, you know, it's constantly expanding and it's never still and it will never be the same. And then every little bit that you do affects you know the grand scheme of things so every conversation every little thing that happens is as relevant as the big things you know mm-hmm. and so also this gives you a great peace of mind because just the fact that you and i are having a beautiful conversation then this is changing this is you know, making the evolution go in a certain place or another, you know, and you don't have to sort of uh, like this romantic idea of all the genius concentrated in one man is I think it's more about many people having good conversations and not such intensity of you know like Beethoven and the ninth, you know like da 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 the fifth you know, and all this great creative genius going through him no it's just you know you, me, cup of tea, you know? maybe some scuns. <laughs> You've been in
0: England too long. You like scones now.
1: Well, yeah, I do like them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> talk, I like
1: purple pies. Talk, talk,
0: talk to me about uh, talk to me about Omar. Sophie was telling me she goes when you when you were you were you were in the Middle East and North Africa and yeah. you gave up alcohol and women and called yourself Omar.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, well, that's kind of like a yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds a bit weird when you say it like that, but it's more or less very accurate. <laughs> so basically I was very, um, because I'm from Spain and obviously we have all these, uh, Isl- Islamic influence. I was very, um, interested in the, in, in my roots, you know, and, uh, when I went traveling, so I spent a long time traveling, eight years, but I seem to always spend my time in the same places. So in between Spain and India and everything that's in between. So Europe, the Middle East, etc. And, uh, you know when i learn traveling is like anything else you know you get better at it the more you do it so you know when i i arrived in the middle east i was very very uh curious about islam and i really wanted to give it a go you know so i started reading a lot i read the quran and then i read um i met a very good uh islamic professor in sevilla and he gave me some of his books, which were really good. And then uh, I went to a tailor in Aleppo, made myself this uh, Arabic dress, you know, like a jilabai. And then uh, slowly I started calling myself Omar instead of Antonio. And then, um, yeah, I would go to the mosque and I would live basically like a Muslim. And I did it, you know, it was part of my traveling. I really wanted to see what all the fast was about. And uh, I did it for about seven months was the longest period. And it was a great experience, really. That's and uh, also, I felt like Islam was a very relevant sort of topic in the world, and I wanted to see what it was all about. You know,
0: I like that because I mean, often, often when people go travelling, you know, they might stick to the tourist routes or you know, go to you know, whatever it says in the, you know, the Lonely Planet guidebook. But when yeah. you go somewhere, do you like to submerge yourself with the the, the customs, the culture, and actually become it?
1: Yeah, yeah, and it happens really naturally. And even if I'm traveling, for example, in the Spanish-speaking world or within Spain, sometimes my accent changes. So I find myself, like, speaking with a local accent. And, yeah, and I don't know, I developed this sort of instinct or a nose, I call it, you know, that I would arrive in a city, even if I don't know it, and then somehow start walking and, you know, follow my nose, and I would end up always meeting, like, amazing characters and beautiful people and very fast within the cities you know so that's great yeah i think yes, as i say it's it's like anything else the more you do it the better you get at it you know and um, those that was one of my most beautiful journeys the oma the oma days <laughs> it's so funny i would meet people and then they'd be like i'd say you know before before i was antonio dirty christian drinking wine eating pig now i embrace two faiths of islam and my name is omar and then everyone like greeted me with hugs and kisses you know at the time i did believe it you know i was very very close to staying but there were a few things that pushed me away in syria yeah i love that
0: i I love that idea because um of just following your nose um what's that called? is that like S- synchronicity or no, what is it? Was it yeah. synchronicity? Cause sometimes it's really interesting. I've, I've, I've been trying to do it recently when I'll walk, walk the streets in London and I would just almost, it sounds weird, but I mean, I would just, yeah, just try and feel my way around the streets. I mean, I won't even, I would just purely like come to a crossroads and then be like, yeah, left. And then suddenly you go, oh, right. And then you always end up, I always end up discovering amazing places, um, seeing things which I've never seen before. Suddenly you're down these little you know, alleyways or you suddenly down a cool muse and you discover a new cafe or like, just all these amazing things. And purely just from feeling your way through the streets. And I yeah. love that, that idea, just following your nose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great. And now you mentioned synchronicity and it's a concept that I'm obsessed with at the moment. And... Um, yeah, it's uh you know when you allow yourself. I feel that uh, we are subject to existence and we are subject to the world, you know. But uh, when you feel good within yourself and you're in your center, and then you get you know you get undressed and you're naked and exposed, and all of this touches you, then it creates a vibration, and then this vibration is your is your own music, you know. And then when you get into this own into your own music and it's pure, then your own music is in tune with the rest of the music of the world and then is when this magic happens the synchronicity when you find all this or the other or etc you know it's like a, there's a big jam session you know and then you just go in with your instrument and you feed into the jam session you see what I mean and uh, that's yeah when you're travelling it's very easy sometimes are you still naked at this stage have you put on, put on clothes well I, depends <laughs> depends on the day but I'm pretty much always naked <laughs> Both, yeah yeah I'm um, this
0: yeah uh, and <laughs> just a couple of speed round questions to finish up uh, what
1: does a fulfilled life mean to you um, a fulfilled life means um, basically being true to yourself and uh, and being happy with with your work and with what you're doing and being uh, free and rebellious and and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, just not compromising, you know, and uh, then, yeah, that I think those are the things that will make everything else come about, like love or good friendships or, you know, if you're true to yourself, then you will find other people, you know, you create a certain magnetism or a gravity that will, you know, bring other good people and good things into your life. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. So know thyself,
0: maybe. <laughs> know thyself. Yeah. What is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives?
1: Um, well, yeah, we could go into this, you know, know thyself. Yeah, maybe. So learn to know who you are, really, and what you can give, and learn to be pure in that way that when you vibrate, you create a music that's in tune instead of You know, and being in control of your life rather than just letting life and existence push you around. You know, and create bad vibrations that you know don't fit in the big jam of life. (laughs) It's not about all the music analogies. I like the jam of life. I'm going to start using it.
0: (laughs) And are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you?
1: Uh, Many, 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 and. uh, but I guess I will have to go with uh, Cultural Pride and then I have to say uh, El Quijote. You know Don Quixote?
0: No yeah, C- C- C-
1: C- C- Cultural Pride by Don <laughs> no, 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 My cultural pride, Don Quixote, or from Cervantes. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, Don Quixote or whatever, I never know how to pronounce it in English. It's uh the great Spanish novel. It was written in sixteen oh five and uh, it basically it's got everything in it. About this man, you've never heard of him. No, it's no, about... I'm gonna. I'll put, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it's a. And uh, well, you have to get a translation that is a uh, nowadays translation. Don't get one of those sort of pedantic old translations. You know, get a recent one. And uh, it's about a man who reads a lot of books, and he basically goes mad. And uh, this is the after the end of the golden era, you know. And uh, so he goes outside his his house. He's sort of like a novel, but not really a novel. And he thinks he's a. Uh, He's a um, uh, knight, you know. So he gets on this really, really old horse and with very old, bad weapons and he goes to save the world, basically. And, uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Do you see yourself... Is, is, <laughs> were you living preca- uh,
0: precariously through this
1: guy? Yeah, yeah, basically. Because what he says is, uh, live your dream. Even if people think, think you're mad, just go out and live your dream. And uh, fight for your ideas, and eventually your ideas will become true. Even if people laugh at you, even if you look ridiculous, and um, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's oh, really, really wonderful. That's yeah. amazing.
0: I loved. I'm definitely going to read that one. And yeah. last but not least, how can people stay in touch, read your poetry, find out more about you?
1: Uh, well, I've got a I've got a blog, but uh, in Spanish most of it. I've got a little bit in English and uh and i'm about to publish uh, my first poetry book also in spanish even though it has a few uh words and uh, a few poems in english and so yeah
0: amazing i'll I mean, put, i'll point but, uh, them we'll get, i'm going to get that off you and so we can put that at the end of this interview okay great yeah Antonio, it's been it's been, it's been a lot of fun thank yeah. you so <laughs> so much no. uh, I like your chair as well. Slide, yeah. You slide low and low and low down the chair. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> You're so low. you almost... like I'm in the camera, you see. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Almost horizontal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you, Duncan. It's been really good fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch up soon. See All you later.
0: Right. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs>